Hello and welcome to the Unpark Rolls podcast. Yet another frustrating week it's been in the world of uh, Reading Football Club. We all thought and kind of felt that goal was going to come right at the end, but we all kind of hoped. Maybe some of us kind of were just not shocked in any way or form after a year of just basic disappointment. To help me talk about this, uh, well, I don't want to use the word miserable straight away, but it felt a bit like that, didn't it? In some ways. Well, yeah, don't turn off straight away because yeah, something will be. I'll try to find some positives. So to, this week I've been joined by George Flood. Hi. Good evening. Good evening. And uh, I've also been joined by uh, Sam Stevenson. Hello. Hello. I can actually wave and it means yeah. something. Well, you can wave, but waving doesn't work, work, in, work well in the audio bit. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, well, let's move back to the uh, Rotherham game. We talk about the Rotherham game. We talk about the manager search, Portuguese holiday trips, Thomas Cook. Who knows what Keir Jarcham's doing over there? Uh, we talk about, about our uh, mild new type partnership with Fans Bet. Uh, give me the reasons for why I've joined up with them. And also a little look at the Middlesbrough match. So I managed to watch all of the game on Saturday, and it was... In the first half, I thought we were considerably better. Considerably better. Rotherham were really poor, really poor. We should have definitely had more goals. Um, what did you make of it, Sam? You watched it as well, so. Um, it was, I think, exactly as you said. We we were better than we've been in recent weeks. Um, we created a few chances that absolutely should have been put away. Um, Bulldog is 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 one of those. Um, I think it was towards the end of the first half, if I'm right. Um, he had a, a not quite a sitter, but it was it was a very very good opportunity, and he wasted it. Um, and and that was the point where I immediately thought we were going to concede and we were going to get a draw. Um, uh, we, well, Alex Everson said something about that. Sorry, but he said uh, about a bulldog. He said, "How do we? Uh, how does the championship striker keep on blazing the ball over the bar?" And he got a good point, Alex. He did exactly the same against Ipswich. Two chances. So you can't keep missing. We can't. We can't waste chances like that. We we've. Um, uh, I sound like a broken record um, saying this, but um, we're you know we're making mistakes at the back, and they're the ones that are probably highlighted um, after a game when you you know at the weekend we 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 conceded late on and we we went on to draw the game but actually if Bulldog had put that chance away we might have won even with that late that that late goal um that they that they um that they got and that story you could kind of repeat it over and over again it doesn't matter whether whether the defenders are making mistakes whether the midfielders are trying to pass back to keeper and knocking it off for a corner from 40 50 yards out um or or the strikers are missing chances there are mistakes from top to bottom and we saw that again on Saturday um having said that the team probably did look a bit more balanced um I still think there's a bit of a mentality issue though because as the game went on um being one goal ahead uh, didn't feel like it was enough and we didn't feel like we were strong enough mentally to hold on to that Rotherham did start to come back into the game and look like the stronger team towards the end uh, which was disappointing to me um but yeah was- no no they did come back into it they didn't have many golden opportunities but they were definitely getting on top. I mean, uh, the only real effort I think we had... No, we had a couple. We had one shot from Bakuna and we also hit the post. But compare that to the first half. I mean, you've probably seen the highlights, George, and you've probably sat there waiting for that moment that's come up on your Twitter feed. Goal. 
kind of yeah i mean yeah. i was tra- i was traveling at the time um so i couldn't watch it um and i just sort of it got towards sort of 10 to 5 at 1-0 and i thought yeah hang on we might actually do this here so i decided to just sort of turn the notifications off on my phone just for five ten minutes just until it had gone past the final whistle and then i just sort of picked it up 10 minutes later and you know obviously the uh, notification of the equalizer came through but this is the problem isn't it it's, it's second halves i mean I, th- I think i saw on twitter that's 16 points now that they've lost or even 17 points that they've lost in the second half of games i mean if it's a, it's a useless stat, really. But I think if games ended at half time, we'd be sort of knocking on the door of the top six. Um, I don't really think it's I don't think it's a lack of, quote, bottle, as some people, you know, seem to suggest. It's like Sam was saying, it's more of a lack of it's just a lack of confidence, isn't it? It's a lack of in-game intelligence or game management and sort of they're so out of that winning habit now. And I, I, with the new manager, I mean, what he has to do is he's, he's going to have to encourage them to try and stick to that initial game plan in the second half as much as possible. I mean, the team, you know, Rotherham are very strong at home. They were always going to come out in that second half a lot stronger. Um, But it's just getting quite tiresome seeing them retreat into their shells and hope to cling on to a a 1-0. Like, we we kind of look like an overmatched lower league team in the FA Cup in some of these games. And, I mean, if we'd have just stayed... You know, I didn't see the whole game, so it's hard to comment. But it feels like if you just stay trying to play your natural game a little bit, you'd have probably got that second goal. And it's not quite such a barrage of you sort of defending your own box. But, yeah, I mean, I guess you can take some positives from that improved first-half performance. But, I mean, I'm getting quite tired now of... I find it very hard to take positives from games that they haven't won because you just know in your heart of hearts that it's probably not going to be followed up upon, especially with such a difficult game coming up again against Middlesbrough. I mean, a win would have been such a massive psychological boost against, you know, a relegation rival who would have gone who would have gone below us. Um, you know, it's a point you'd probably have taken before kickoff, but you know, the circumstances in which it came were a, were a real sickener and no doubt another another blow to confidence. But I mean, we should have a fair few away points on the board now, really, shouldn't we? I mean, we threw it away against Blackburn. We conceded late again at Brentford. Uh, we collapsed at West Brom. We missed that penalty at Leeds. And you just think that these things keep building, they keep building, and and they, you know, they're going to come back to bite you eventually. Yeah, totally. It's just draining, and like you say, it's we our mental mental state. I, I, that could be just defined as bottle, but like you say, I don't think it is that. It's ability and just no history of winning. Now we don't yeah. know how to win games at all, and when we do, it's 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 always hanging on. Apart from the whole match. We don't win games convincingly, very, very rarely now, because the opposition, if they've got any quality, will score against us. It takes so little. So we're always in that position where we need to score two goals, at least to score to win a game, and yeah, more yeah. likely three, because yeah, we yeah. seem to let in two virtually every single game. I think our last four home matches, we've let in four, two goals four times now. So it's kind of, you can't continue that run. I mean, I suppose the positives that I took out of the match was Tom McIntyre. I thought he came in and he was more than okay on his debut for an 18-year-old. Um, good to see a Reading fan playing as well. Always has that certain element and he's got that, you know, his character in the team. He loves the club. Clearly, he's been a fan since he was four years old. <sighs> Another thing I thought was better was uh, John Swift. I thought in the first half, I thought he played better than he has for a while. It wasn't the John Swift of the first three months of when we had him, but it was still an improvement. But that was mainly because he was at the other end of the pitch. 
he was in the attacking third all the time, virtually. And sometimes we've been trying to play him as a central midfielder, midfielder, and that doesn't work with him. He needs to be kind of almost in this free role if he's going to thrive. That's what I think. Do you think Swift. he was any good? I Sam, think you watched it. I mean, sorry, I kind of jumped in there a little bit. Uh, I think Swift's a funny one because um, going back to you know his first three four months here. He was confident enough to take pot shots from 25 yards every game. Um, I don't think he's done that once this season. And I don't remember him. I know he was in and out last year, but I don't really remember him doing it last year either. I don't know if it's the injury, whether it's confidence or whether Sam was telling him not to do that. Um, but he he is not, not only, you know, is he a worse player than he was when he came in, but he's also not even close to being the same type of player. Um, he was looking for passes, running between the lines, looking for three balls, taking shots whenever the space opened up. And now he's he's barely doing any of that. Um, it's all safe kind of sideways passing and the odd attempt at a ball over the top. But he's a completely different player. I don't, I don't really know what's happened to Swift, to be honest. But he was, having said that, he was better and more involved on... Saturday um so I guess you'd, you'd give him that but I just want to see him take a shot he's got the ability we've seen it uh, I know I know it's like you're saying you know it's there I mean you've seen uh Swift play loads of times recently George and we know that player could be there but is he there I don't know I, I, mean, I think we've yeah, I think I think we've got to say now that we've seen more evidence of him being the player that he is now than we did have of of the player he was when he first came. Um, yeah, I mean, as I said, it looked it looked to me like a lot of the good stuff they did Saturday went through him. Um, so I mean, maybe yeah, I think like you said, when he's playing, he needs to play off the front because I can't see him affecting the game as he needs to when he's playing a lot deeper, really. Um, but. You know, I, I think going back to Tom McIntyre, I think that's the one positive. I've really enjoyed the social media stuff that's kind of come over the last few days. That's been a, a nice little highlight, sort of his sister, obviously posting picture of them, you know, in red in shirts as kids. It's really nice and stuff like that. And I was just wondering, you know, I think I would take him over Paul McShane and John O'Shane now. And I think, yeah. you know, maybe obviously not, you know, Tiago, Laura and Liam Moore, although Laura, it depends sort of on the day. But, um, but I think, him and Blackett, do you think do you think you would keep it the same this weekend, or depending on who's fit, or would you? I'd keep it the same, personally. I, I don't think they did anything that was. I couldn't see anything in the game on Saturday that made me think that was why Rotherham came back into the game. That was more our midfield, just completely moving backwards into our own half, and just not the same effectiveness. And also Rotherham improving their game markedly in the second half. I, I, I don't think Tom McIntyre did anything that. I thought he was more than okay. I'd go like a seven, I'd give him out of that game. You know, he wasn't outstanding, but there was lots of moments when I thought, oh, a young player could get caught out here, and he didn't get caught out. The person who got caught out for the actual goal, I thought was Chris Gunter, just before. But, oh, dear. But, yeah, to give it on Tom McIntyre, yeah, I would think I would keep him in the team, definitely. And we need every little boost we can get at the moment. And I think if they see Tom McIntyre in the team, they're going to give him that little bit extra. When you've got pictures, like you say, George, of you in a Reading kit when you're four or five years older than Garden, it gets fans on side, doesn't it? And you can see the video of him after, just after the match, when he just came out of the dressing room and he's saying, oh, it's magical. It was a dream to play. Those are the things that you want to hear as a fan. 
I mean, it's just we're not haven't had anything that anything that anyone who's looked that excited to play for Reading for a long time. Yeah. It's looked like work, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I've always urged caution with the sort of chucking all the youngsters mentality that tends to sort of prevail a little bit among fans when a team struggles for any sort of prolonged period of time. Um, but I just thought, you just look at players like that sometimes. You look at the success with, obviously, Andy Rinomotta as well and, and Danny Lode to a lesser extent. And you just think, yeah, you know what? I'd rather, you know, I'd rather be watching these players than, than, than some of the players we have, sort of the senior pros we've got at the moment. But... Uh, yeah, I was from the bits I saw. He looked like he did well. I mean, that's that's a tough that's a tough first game to go into as well, isn't it? Rotherham away, you're going to be expecting a load of aerial balls and stuff like that. But it seems like he dealt with it okay. Yeah, no, I thought he was more than okay. So, I mean, just that last minute goal, and you kind of felt it was coming, just hoping. And like, we, some of us just felt, I don't know. You you want to be positive about any little thing, but you just think. If we're picking up, going to pick up a point in the rest of our games, we're going to go down. Yeah. Just even one point a game is not going to be enough. We don't need a lot more. One point five would be enough. But we're, we're not even getting stuff. a point at the moment. No. Per game. no. Uh, and th- and that's the issue, right? Um, you just you, you look up and down the table and you can't see where the points are coming from in our current state. Um, whoever comes in, the 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 thing they've really got to turn around above the issues we've got up and down the pitch will be the individual errors because there are enough games this season that we've been in and then capitulated because of a keeper throwing the ball in his net or a defender trying to bring it out and getting caught out or someone deciding to kick it off for a corner when under no pressure or whatever it is. Uh, They're the things that need to change because we would probably be 10 points better off this season without those mistakes. And, And at that point, Clement would probably still be here. We'd probably be saying, okay, it's not, great but we're stable um, and we're better than we were last season but actually the mistakes are the thing that beyond everything else have caused us the most issues this season yeah no I, I totally agree it's just you know you don't know which one's going to do them next that's the problem with it there's no predictability about it you can't just take one player out or even two players out they're, they're all capable of doing them and I don't know what you do as a manager when that kind of thing's happening well, I mean, no, no one like the Birmingham game. No one's telling Kelly to whack a ball back forty yards for for a Birmingham corner. You know, yeah. I I don't know what goes through a player's mind when they make a decision like that. But it happens at every club. But at Reading, it's endemic. It's really like it's a real issue. Every game, someone is making an error that is is costing a goal. Um, I think the Ipswich game. There was a series of events. So in the run up to the to their goal, um, the second goal, I think we gave away a corner um, under not much in the way of pressure, which resulted in us scoring an own goal. And like it's that kind of thing over and over and over again. Sorry, my screen's just gone blue. Apologies if it's there. You go. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, it's a nightmare, and it's frustrating to watch because it doesn't matter how well you're playing, you're just waiting for that mistake. And as a fan. It, it affects your mentality and that feeds back to the players. And, you know, when you talk about a toxic environment, I think not having any faith in your team uh, plays a big part in that. And and at the moment, I'd, I'd question a Reading fan who had absolute faith in the team to get a result at the moment, because I just, 
I do have faith in him to get a result, but it's not a positive one. <laughs> I really do. And I don't want to bang this drum every week and sort of use it as an excuse, particularly as, as Blackett and McIntyre seem to do quite well together on Saturday. But how many clubs went into a game on Saturday with four senior centre-halves missing? I know Bod Varson was on the bench, but both of your target men missing in a game like that. And it's just, I mean, I think we spoke about it last week, but they must try as best as possible to try and find a way out of this because it, the injuries really will really will sink us in the end i really yeah, do believe no, that totally. yeah with everything else yeah with so many key players out i mean i don't know what we can do about that though that's a real structural issue isn't it that's going to have to take a long time to change and require a whole overhaul of the club but like you say that's been going on for a long time now this is not a new development and I hope it changes soon, but yeah. Okay. So I think we'll move on to the manager thing now because I think the Rotherham thing is just bringing us all slightly down. So I think we need is to- Is this going to get us going? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to bring us up. The fact that we've got some man called, well, I'm going to say allegedly, Kid Jaracham uh, just hunting around Portugal for a man that he can get into place. So he can then, I mean- my feeling is that if he comes along, we're going to get an influx of Spanish or Portuguese players in. I just get that feeling. He wants to get someone in place. I, why I've is he heard, a particular Portuguese manager? I, uh, I guess he probably must have links to that league, and I don't really understand the reasons why. Links for he, well, he has and South America and links for Mars. But for us, like you look at actually in terms of what you just said about bringing players in from Spain. I wouldn't care where they came from. My issue yeah. at the moment is that the last two transfer windows, three transfer windows have been abysmal, not because we haven't brought anyone in, but because the players we brought in have been either useless or haven't fit the system. Um, Aluko hasn't worked out. Um, I guess people expected him to at the beginning, but he just hasn't. The three frees that we brought in at the beginning of this season haven't worked out. Um, neither's Bulldog really to an extent. Um, and uh, and you just think about the last last year or so of transfers, and there's been no standouts. And so whatever happens with the new manager, I don't think any new manager coming in is going to be able to make a substantial change to the the ability of this current squad. Um, there is some ability there, but I think you know you're still going to have these mistakes. You've still got this losing mentality kind of inbuilt. Um, so I think we do need new players. Um, they don't need to be the, the you know, top end championship type players. They just need to be grafters. That's kind of what we're missing at the moment. And, and players that don't expect to lose week in, week out. Um, and on top of that, if we're going to go and spend a, a, you know, a whole bunch of money on, on one player, we need to make sure it's a player who fits the system, um, rather than just who's the best player available for six or 7 million. Um, no, we got quite a lot of questions on this as well. Sorry, it was kind of one one from Michael Bassett saying we have three more games before the transfer window opens and still no manager in place. What on earth is going on? Two manager reporters turned us down. Are we are we going to get a panic appointment and end up getting relegated? Well, I think we could end up getting relegated with any manager. I, if I was to, I still pretty much certain that we're going to get relegated and all the pattern of results and play, but. I don't know. Who knows what's going on with the management? There seems to be such strange things going on there. I can't quite understand it. And someone else, Nick Clark, says, thoughts on an out-of-work manager being given the job. 
for the reigns of the season and put them on a good bonus to keep us up, then we can go from there. It sounds, I mean, that system isn't unheard of within the management world. But what do you think, George? Do you think I just I just feel like like it was kind of saying before, it seems like the owners are, you know, fully committed to the Kia Drabshin experience now. And I and I'm guessing they have a way, they have it all set out how they want to work in January. And, you know, perhaps like you said, it is going to be the Portuguese market, which is an increasingly competitive market now with with some of the teams that are fishing in that sort of area uh, in the championship, you know, Premier League as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's, it's difficult to comment too much on Jose Gomez, uh, given that, again, a bit like Luis Castro, you don't know too much about him uh, before the, well, sort of the name comes out. Um, but I think he's had 12 clubs in 15 years. The argument that some people seem to be putting forward for a manager like this is that it's more of a long-term option than, than a Phil Parkinson or somebody like that. But the 12 clubs in 15 years doesn't scream out long-term options to me. I mean, no. he does have a lot of experience in different countries. I mean, he's managed in Hungary, Saudi Arabia, Abu Dhabi. Um, you know, he's gone back to Portugal this year after about eight or nine years away. He's worked at Panathinaikos, I think, Malaga as well. Yeah. Um, doesn't really seem to have won anything, but you know that's not that's not too important to us. He but won the um, <laughs> Super Cup, George. Saudi Super Sa- Cup. Sorry. Come on, come on. He won the Saudi Super Cup. We go on about winning the Simod Cup. You've got to give it respect. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I saw the. I don't know if you saw the quotes from him yesterday uh, after they the Rio Abe's draw. Um, he seemed to suggest that he wanted to manage in England, though he, he sort of said he would never turn his back on anyone who trusted me. Uh, he said he was happy where he is and that the club opened the doors to his return to Portugal, uh, said it wasn't a financial issue and that their work was extraordinary and that he f- sort of felt part of the family of the club. But it's kind of difficult to get a feel for what he really means by just translating quotes from an article. Um, but it seemed very much to me like it was kind of the normal stance that you, a sort of response that you get from managers when they're linked with other jobs. It was kind of a, I'm not going to rule myself out, but, you know, I'm more than happy to carry on here if if, if that's what happens. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look at Rio Ave have got sport in Lisbon on Wednesday and Porto on Sunday. So that's, that seems like a hell of a time for him to sort of, to sort of jump ship a little bit. Um, but from, from what's being reported, it very much sounds like this is the way they're going. But I think Charles Watts summed it up quite well uh, a few days ago when he said, you know, they pulled the trigger on Clement thinking they had the Castro deal in the bag. And now it seems they've been completely left scrambling rather than they might try and convince us. I think he said that that it's uh, a thorough recruitment process when really they're just they're just trying to get somebody in now. It just feels like it's descended into a bit of a fast that's and it's been really it's just becoming really dull now the sort of twitter spats and it's just it really needs to end now i think yeah no i agree it just uh, i just want it to finish just want to know yeah. who it is obviously i don't want it to be a terrible appointment but we're just seeing rehash after rehash of every news thing sky put up one today just a rehash of what he said yesterday there's nothing yeah. new in it at all it's just nothing news and just yeah just 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 get on with it now you know just have a manager in i've given i've kind of given up we're not going to have one before the middles for a match that's no, not no. going to happen so we're going to have to wait again for one uh what, what's the next one off that is it millwall isn't it it's Millwall, which is such yeah. an enormous game if that's going to be the the debut of a new manager that's such a baptism of fire good I luck mean, good luck with yeah. the <laughs> portuguese league then going to the new den <laughs> what what do you guys think about the kind of i know i I've seen a, a reasonable group of 
Reading fans on Twitter calling for specifically for a British manager. Um, I guess I understand the the want for someone who understands the championship. Um, but I guess you can make the argument there are lots of managers who understand the championship who would probably get us relegated and it wouldn't matter either way. Um, I don't want to go as far as to say there's you know xenophobia out there or anything like that. I just... I wonder whether there. I mean, it happens up and down the country, right? When a uh, uh, you know a manager's um, you got British managers say, "Oh, why don't you give it to a? Why don't you give it to one of us lot?" Um, uh, namely, Harry Redknapp. Um, uh, I, I I don't buy it. I think ultimately, you know, I know there's been a few dodgy appointments over the last couple of years, but the club aren't just going to randomly hire someone. You'd hope. Uh, who's available they'll go for someone who has a, a record uh, of sorts um, who they think could do something for us um, I guess personally I'm just kind of termism and I also don't want to be in the situation we were and I know this is looking really far ahead and seems unlikely at this point but the the two times we've been up in the Premier League it's felt like we haven't really had necessarily the game plan or the personnel or, or whatever to, to go forward and we haven't had a plan um as such so i i'd like to kind of sit somewhere in the middle and get someone in who can keep us up but also you know i guess that's what everyone wants that's the ideal scenario isn't it i've just kind of talked and haven't really said i think anything. it's just so hard because we've got so many really fundamental issues at the club I just think I, I, I totally agree. I'd love to have a manager and a whole setup. And that comes right from the top, from the owners who are going to set up a whole system. There's not going to be thinking about the next six months. There's going to be thinking about three years time. But if I'm totally honest, they need to think about that in the summer. Yeah. They need to fight, fight now and try and deal with the scenario until the end of this season, because everything else they could plan right now, if we go down, it's dead. Yeah. So we need to get to that point. But I don't know. I don't know who. It seems to be that we're going to get a Portuguese manager. Um, but I could finish this podcast. We could all finish it in 20 minutes. And all of a sudden, it's an English manager. We just don't know. I mean, it's Imagine if after all of this, Pardew walked in. <laughs> no, <I don't. laughs> just on that. Just on that point as well, I think long-termism in football, does it really exist to much of an extent now? I mean, it's a very rosy view. It's, it's Everyone would love to have a manager in place, have a plan over a certain amount of years. But you look at the average span of a manager now, particularly in the championship. And I think I think a lot of the time you've just got to, you have to, especially in this sort of situation, you do have to take a bit of a short-term approach. I mean, there is, I guess, always that danger that you'll get stuck in the cycle like you were talking about of, you know, you appoint a firefighter, he can't take you any further, you sack him next season, you appoint another firefighter and you sort of get trapped I, in that cycle. But I guess I, what I'd say to that, though, is that I don't necessarily mean um, long-termism in the sense that you have one manager who stays at the club for 20 years. But I mean, the club have an idea of the type of manager they want going forward. So you look at Swansea over the... I know they've lost it a bit over the last five years, but before that, they would go for the same type of manager. Wouldn't always work, but they knew what they wanted. Um, That's kind of what I'm getting at. You know, having an idea and having an identity and then being able to go out and find a manager that fits that identity, which in the long term, I guess, helps you out. Whereas at the moment, you know, we went from Stam, who played passing football, to Clement, who... No idea what he what yeah. his style of football was. Um, 
and then now you know they're talking about Parky and and managers like that and I'm not saying that would happen but clearly someone has spoken about him internally he is on a short list of sorts so he is someone the club have looked at so I know we've changed personnel at the top end um, of the club and we've got Nigel Howe back in but Again, you look at the the types of managers that we've... Our last five appointments have all been different, very different. And it would just be nice to have uh, a string of managers that want to play the same kind of way. So you're not then having to... um, Having the massive upheaval of having to replace half your squad just to fit that manager's style. A manager can come in and work with what he has. Um, I guess that's what I was getting at. Yeah, I think, well, if you're looking at that kind of argument, I, I think the biggest issue, and I think possibly the most important person at club long term, is actually the sporting director. In the last few years, we've had Nicky Hammond, we've had Tevreden, then we've had Gianluca Nani, and now it looks like we've almost got Keir Jarrettam doing that job. <laughs> um, if you're having four different directions in a short period of time, you're, you're going to go just round in circles, aren't you? You're not going to go anywhere. And we had that long spell of Nicky Hammond there. And we changed managers every three or four years because we didn't shop them. But he was the consistent theme. We don't have that at all. We were so successful under Hammond. And and whether you enjoyed the football that we played, I mean, obviously with Koppel, everyone had a great time. Um, with McDermott, I think we were um, mentally strong. We weren't the, the best team ability-wise. Um, uh, even just in the championship that season. Um, and that cost us when we went up. And I think Hammond took us probably as far as he could at that kind of moment in time um, with the money that we had and and Medeski as owner and that kind of stuff. But um, he was a recipe for success, definitely. Like he knew, he that that's kind of what we were talking about, right? He knew the types of players, the types mm-hmm. of managers that we needed. He knew how to bring in the right people that were going to get the best out of the limited resources that we had. Um, and it worked. And that's what we haven't then had in the preceding years. Um, and and you started to think that we might have had that with Tevreden. That first season, we were obviously looking at where possible younger players who we could bring through that were able to play passing football to an extent. Not all of them worked out, but that was obviously what we were going for. Um and there was an idea there, but then that's obviously changed again when Nani came in and, and now whoever comes in and takes that job will potentially change it further still. But it would just be nice to have someone in place for five years who gives the fans some idea of what to expect when the transfer window opens or when we sack a manager or you know whatever it is. It, it would just be nice to have an idea of what direction the club's going in. Because to me, whether there are two different power plays within the boardroom to you know one going Portuguese one going English to hear that you've got hey we've got expansive Portuguese manager who wants to play um, really exciting attacking football hey we've got Phil Parkinson who wants to lump the ball forward like they're completely different ends of the spectrum and and just that alone says to me that the club whoever they're listening to don't have a clear idea of what they want from a manager and what they want from a, a style and identity going forward? No, I totally agree. The whole club uh, needs that leadership. And the owners have been getting involved a bit in the last two weeks, but, well, maybe three weeks or so. But there is a whole vacuum of non-leadership 
that they, this is what led, that's what's led to this situation. So as much as they've been gaining, because I think you said something like this last week, George, that as much as they've been good in the last few weeks, let's not forget where have they been for the year before. <laughs> you know, let's not forget that bit. Well, I think that's that's maybe what they're thinking now. They've let Gourlay run it for however long, and obviously we've seen what happens. So now they might be thinking with this Drabshin stuff and the Portugal stuff, they're thinking, right, now we're going to run it how we think it should be run. True. So, yeah. No, you're right. I mean, obviously, if you look at Kirchhoff, um, and we talked about him last week, so I'm not going to go on about him too long. Um, it it doesn't really work at other clubs, but you've got to hold the hope that maybe something will help work well at uh, Reading. It does not fill me with... It fills me with a bit of fear, to be honest. But uh, we're in such a bad position that something needs to change, and something needs yeah. to change drastically. So if you've tried everything else, you've got to try something that's going to be high risk. Because at the moment, I think we're going to go down and, yeah, we can lose more money. But I don't think money's an issue for the owners. I, I really don't. I don't think that's a major worry for them. So talking of money, I'm going to talk about our new partnership that we've got with Fansbet, who I'm uh, delighted to be with, fine people that they are. And I uh, just want to start it off with a premise of this, that 50% of the profits that Fansbet make they give back to supporters i personally am making no money from this partnership at all all the money that comes in will be going to back to people back to the reading fans and i'm going to help try and come up with a plan for away travel i'm not quite sure what that's going to be because what happens is it depends on how many people sign up to their accounts that's up to you i cannot influence that and one thing i'm not trying to do is trying to make people gambling when they didn't gamble before it's all about people changing their provider that's what it is so people will be saying thinking oh uh, paul sold out to uh, the gambling evils <laughs> no i have not <laughs> i've not done that i have been tempted i have uh, been uh, possibly offered something before but no this is the one i wanted to go for because i think it's better if it goes back to the fans and it goes back to people who actually go to away games because they're the kind of most hardcore fans, I think, ultimately. So, this is the candy floss, candy floss flavored vape to my unfiltered cigarette. Um, it's it's the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's just kind of um, uh, you know putting my uh, thoughts out on it. And people, obviously, straight away, as soon as you uh, involve yourself with a gambling company, people have negative things about it, and I understand that as well. So, I mean, I've gambled. I don't know about you two. I'm not sure. So, yeah. I, I think it's fine. I think um, ultimately what you're really asking people to do is if they're already, you know, putting accumulators on at the weekend and doing that kind of stuff, if they could just move that across to fans bet. Yeah. Uh, so, ultimately, thank you, Sam. just doing that <laughs> is going to benefit. <laughs> it's going to benefit fans. I, I understand. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think I think it's a good shout. Um Ultimately, you're going to look into ways to, you know, do what yeah. well, I can't plans, but... say what I'm going to do with it yet because I don't know how much money there's going to be. Sure. So I, I don't want to make claims that I'm going to fly everyone to uh, Newcastle when obviously we get promoted in two years because that's <laughs> not going to happen in so many ways. So putting the money back into the club. No, definitely not. <laughs> 100% not. That, but I'm the sad sad are wasting so much money taking up that space. No, no. Well, they have got something you can get involved in winning 50,000, but, you know, I don't want to promote it too much. So, <laughs> moving on to the Middlesbrough match on uh, Saturday, 
Middlesbrough six in the away form table, um, not form table over the whole season so far. The last time we beat Middlesbrough was in October 2015, and Daly Williams scored that. Was that the one when he scored the incredible goal in the first minute? On the uh, I think it was. I know. I remember there being a goal in the first minute, yeah. but I can't remember whether it was Williams. I, I think thought it was Williams. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it was Williams. Well, I'll tell you and, uh, Nick Lapman scored as well. Okay. That's how long ago it was. Yeah. So, what are we feeling going into this match, George? What is your feelings on this? I mean, how bad is it? I mean, they're, it's interesting, Middlesbrough. I mean, like you said, they're. You know they're a they're a real tough outfit away from home. I mean that two undefeated QPR on on Saturday was I think only the second time they've lost away all season. They were six unbeaten away before that. But the funny thing is they really don't score many goals. I mean they've got twenty four and twenty two this season. I think uh, I think only Wigan, Hull, Rotherham, Bolton, and Ipswich have scored less goals. I mean even we've you know we've scored more than that. But they really don't concede many either. Sixteen and twenty two I think, and that's the lowest mark in the league. Uh, you know we've conceded over double that. Um, you know, you know they're a bit out of form at the moment. No wins in four. Uh, you'd always expect a Tony Pulis side to be, you know, strong and physical and 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 a threat from set pieces. Which you know, particularly corners have been our Achilles. Defending corners has been our Achilles heel over the last few months. Um, but you know, they've got an impressive squad that's full of quality. A bit like Sheffield United. You know, no doubt will be added to in January to sort of propel them back towards the top two. Um, I just feel like I just hope in contrast to the Sheffield United game that we just we just give it it sounds simple, but just give it a bit of a go, you know, show a bit more attacking intent, a bit more cohesion. You know, we you know we're never gonna, even though they don't score many goals, I'd be massively surprised if we were able to keep them out. Um so just, you know, let the shackles off a little bit, especially, you know, if Scott Marshall's still there. Um yeah, I mean the Millwall game looming after that is 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 so massive that that anything we can get out of this is is a positive. I think a draw is a low scoring draw is possibly the best we can hope for, but you never know. Yeah, no. Most most of the times when I go to the game, I'd actually kind of, in some ways, you'd want to see a two two over a nil nil. But I, I don't know. There's actually a part of me who would love to see us not concede at home. Mm. I've got to that point. I mean, normally I would because we've had so many games when we've scored goals at home. Now that hasn't been an issue really. Apart from the last game against Sheffield United, which was awful, absolutely awful in the second half. It's, yeah, we. I mean, they've only lost twice away from home. They lost in Norwich and Bristol City. But I don't know. I mean, what are you thinking, Sam? Would you, are you kind of like thinking this game could be over in the first 25 minutes or is it going to last a little bit longer? I'm not. I don't, I don't think it'll be over in the first 25 minutes. I actually think recently first half performances have been OK. Um, but again, I feel like as games have gone on, we've we've struggled more and more. Um, and whether it's fitness, whether it's mentality, don't really know. And and I could see that happening again here. Um, what I want to see, all I want to see um, at the moment is a few shots on target. You know, an improvement over the Sheffield United game um, at home, which was really really poor. Um, I just want to see us, whether it's smashing balls over the top or or just getting the wingers to to whip in crosses as early as possible i want to see us do something in the final third um you know for me um if we draw great um if we lose it's probably not the end of the world because borough are a much better team than us um but we've got to show that we're trying to do something in the final third because the last few games that's been an issue for us um 
and yeah, that that's ultimately what I want to see more than anything else. Which is sad yeah, because I, we should want yeah. wins. We should want wins. That's really yeah, where we should be. We yeah. would love that, but we haven't had a win in six games now, and we haven't really come that close. I suppose the nearest was Rotherham, but we all thought it was coming. So I don't know. I agree. We want to see some basic, just shots on target, effort, momentum, and pressure. We won't be able to sustain it. What? Sorry? You're not asking for much. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, we won't be able to sustain it. I know that for a fact. But we want to see it at some point in the match. But in that Sheffield United match, we didn't see any of that at any point. And when you've just sacked a manager and the performance that they put in under him was better than that one, you do start to question decisions that we've made. And you think, if it's going to get actually worse, that's not good. Uh, The Rotherham match... It's made me feel slightly more positive on that, but Rotherham was so poor in that first half. Can't speak first half. <laughs> That's not a good time to be able to lose the uh, ability to speak on a podcast. <laughs> I think it's interesting. We were talking about McIntyre and stuff earlier as well, and whether we would stick with him. I mean, just having a look at their their sort of squad list. I mean, you'd have thought Britta Sambalonga and, and Jordan Hugill is going to be a much much sterner test of those credentials. Um, they've got Aiden Flint as well, haven't they? Who scored against certainly scored against us before, and is a, a hell of a threat from set pieces and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if we if we lose this game, we're looking at what we're be officially halfway through the season with with nineteen point four wins and nineteen points, and that's just it becomes. Yeah, I know it depends on the manager and what they can do, but it just becomes so difficult to see them to see them getting. You know, what were their last season? 44 points they stayed up on? Something yes, like that? that's very low, yes. Incredibly so low. They've got, I mean, yeah, and that's very low. I mean, so you've got to think they've got to be aiming towards sort of 47, 48, towards 50, haven't they? And We've and, seen teams go down on 50-plus points in yeah, the last absolutely. five years. Um, so, yeah, you, we're not even halfway there yet in terms of points, um, which is very worrying. Yeah, it is. It's, this is not a happy ending, is it? This <laughs> <Just kind> of... <laughs> It's kind of, these podcasts seem to be finishing on worse and worse scenarios every single week. Just a quick point. I mean, I've seen sort of, I mean, maybe this is just a sort of boredom with how the manager search is going. I've seen sort of a turning tide of opinion, sort of wondering whether Scott Marshall might be edging himself into the frame a little bit after that sort of decent first half at Rotherham. Um, I mean, I guess... I guess if they continue to strike out and they and they were able to beat Middlesbrough, then maybe you could say that. But I just, I don't know about you guys, but I just don't feel that that's an option that's really even been considered by, especially if they're going down this direction route and stuff. It just seems it just seems so unlikely at this stage. Yeah, even though I, he's yeah. sorry, can't Paul. No, no, I was going to say I can't see it. But if we were to beat Middlesbrough uh, by some miracle, get another result on Millwall. You've got to say that's actually not a bad run. If you take out the Sheffield United match, was maybe shock and just I don't know what was going on there. But if you go to Rotherham, Millwall, and Middlesbrough, you've got to think that's probably one of the best runs we've had of the season. So, and to remove him would then create another change. But I can't see it, like you say, George. I just can't see it. I mean, I, I think he could win the next three games and we, he wouldn't get it. I yeah. think they've just decided they're going with Keir Jarrett, and that is it. And what will that will bring in January? Nobody knows. It will not be dull. I will be amazed if it's dull. Really there are sure. going to be a lot of signings, yeah. I think, in yeah. if he's around. A lot of signings. It's going to be an interesting one. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm just... We need points. That's what we need. We need points. Yeah. It doesn't matter where they come from. It doesn't matter how we get them. Um, and, and to be honest, like... 
talking about, as I said earlier, what I want to see from the game at the weekend, it doesn't really matter what I want. I was actually asked recently um, whether I'd take a draw. And I think at this point, as I don't think in my heart of hearts I can actually say that I would take a draw at any point. It doesn't matter who we're playing. We need the points. So I, uh, I want to see us improve. And I know we've got to start at the foundations, but we need to get wins however however we can. It doesn't matter whether we time waste. It doesn't matter whether we cheat. Like We need wins. Uh, yeah, we, no. Like, we're just in well, so it's... much trouble. And, and getting a draw and saying, well, let's build on that, doesn't feel... It doesn't feel good enough at the moment. I know we're changing managers, and but we've seen this with Clement earlier on this season. We put in a, a great performance, you know, away at Brentford, for instance. Um, and then we'd say, oh, maybe this is the start of something. And then we'd go and lose the next week. Um, and we just need we just need points however we can get them. I, I'm that's the reason why for me I wouldn't say, yeah, go with Marshall, because it it doesn't matter whether this is one of our best passages of of you know point scoring we've had this season ultimately it's not still not enough um, no, 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 and we, we are on course for relegation and we need a lot more yeah, yeah. how we're we not in the relegation zone is a miracle it really yeah. is the, the championship is shit this season the bottom half of the championship it's it was really last season good. yeah yeah it was it was yeah. and we've we got lucky last season and, and maybe we'll get lucky again i mean it's looking like you know, a couple of results here or there, and actually, it, it might be enough based on how bad everybody else down there seems to be. But, the um, sorry, yeah, the depressing thing is if you just if you remember how bad that Hull performance was at the Medeski a couple of months ago, and I mean that was one of the worst performances I've seen from an away team for for God knows how long. Yet you look at the table now; they're about five yeah. or six points clear of us. Yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. you just sort of think, God, are we that much worse than a, than a team like that? And it, and it's. I think Millwall have been so bad because their away form particularly is horrendous. I, I still don't think they've won an away game this season. They lost at uh, the Preston on Saturday. But I, it, I live in fear of, of of a couple of those teams picking up. I mean, Ipswich... Millwall are the one for me. Yeah, I mean, Ipswich are still cut adrift, but they did win Saturday. Um, and it kind of pulls them a little bit closer. I think Bolton look like they're in real trouble. Uh, both on and off the pitch, sort of with the sort of headlines that have been going on recently. I don't think they've won any of their last twelve. Um, but yeah, but if a couple of those teams, like you said, particularly Millwall, begin to pick up, especially if they beat us Boxing Day as well, then then it does really become difficult to see how we're going to get out of it. Yeah, totally. One team that's dropped into it, which I really didn't expect, was Brentford. Brentford, they yeah, have just yeah. collapsed. I mean, you well, think at some point they're going to pick up because they've got some decent players. Surely they're going to kick in, but you just don't know. Sometimes a team can just fall away, but that just, no one would have predicted that. I would have thought they'd be top eight, ten at least. It's a change of manager, isn't it? Yeah, it's but just wow. done them in. But yeah, you don't expect to see that. You don't expect to see that. They tried to keep the same sort of continuity, didn't they? And yeah. then it's just completely fallen out. I mean, I would be very surprised if they didn't change the manager again within the next sort of few weeks. Looks like Sheffield Wednesday are going to do the same. They've been on sort of a similar slide, so be interesting to see how it how it sort of pans out yeah definitely well let's just hope i mean the two positives maybe that we got coming up is maybe bodvarsson's back maybe he obviously came back on saturday yaku mate might be back as well on saturday so those are two players that you want to get back but neither they're going to be fully fit they've been out for a few weeks now i mean mate was playing when he clearly wasn't fit but i don't know i mean bodvarsson i mean he runs around a lot and he tries and all that, and he will score you some goals. But if we're pinning our hopes on him, it's a worry. It really is because 
if you're going to bring in anyone in the transfer window, there's so many areas that you need on the pitch. But if you can get goals, it just covers up so many errors. You just need that person who's going to get 10 goals between now and the end of the season. And I don't care where he's from. It does not bother me in the slightest if he's from uh, Angolia. I do not care. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's how you're going to fit Bodvarsson and Mate back into the team once they're both fully fit as well, I guess, is the question that's going to, for the short term, forever the new manager is. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, but you've got to have Yeko Mate's energy in there at least, yeah. And you don't want him back out wide, really, if you can no. help it. He's much more effective through the middle. And it's just sort of whether they can play together or whether it's just going to be a case of one of them starting and one of them sort of you keep up that intensity by bringing the other one on just sort of after an hour or so, you know, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. No, it could be. Well, it's going to be another um, uh, nerve wracking weekend at the Medovsky Stadium. We go there with probably not that much hope. But we kind of live in a little bit of hope, don't we? Because otherwise we wouldn't bother going or paying any attention to it. And less and less people are going on a weekly basis. And I don't really blame them <laughs> at all. But thanks a lot for listening. If somebody could press the uh, button so it stops recording just about now. <laughs>